Right now, we're going to have the Word of God spoken for the last time before Christmas here, and I'm going to invite uh, Brendan to come and share with us today. Why don't you give him a hand as he comes this morning? All you need is love. Sing it with me. Love is all Beautiful. Well, we're in the final week of our Advent series talking about love. Turn to the person next to you say, love. All this talk about fire, I think love is a little bit like fire. It can be powerful. It can be dangerous. I uh, went to buy a new car recently and went and the man who owned it was a heavy set, very tall Iranian refugee. His name was Sam. We met for the first time whilst I was inspecting his car and uh, I went with Ben and then just as we were leaving, I went to say, love it, but then my mind also went to say, love your work. And my mouth betrayed me, and I just said, I love you. (laughs) And as I'm walking away, I turned to Ben and I said, I think I just said, I love you. (laughs) He said, just keep walking, pretend like it didn't happen. (laughs) You know... Love is like, a, is like a minefield. If you've ever said this to somebody, I love you, you know, it's like, it, especially if it's a significant person, it's like, you've really got to build up to it. And it's like so dangerous, you know? Like I've got German family and I was leaving once we went to Germany and I said to my auntie, I wanted to say, I love you, you know, I was leaving for a long time. I didn't know when I was going to be coming back again. And, and I said it in German. I said, ich hab dir ganz lieb. And then she sort of looked at me a little bit strange and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Um, the thing is, right, is I'm not that good at German. I'm not convinced that I didn't say I'm in love with you to my auntie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but I just can't go back now. Uh, basically, I'm <laughs> never talking to her again. That's that. It's sorted. But love is not just nerve-wracking or, or, or potentially embarrassing. I think love is confusing. You know, when I was growing up, my parents used to talk about making love, which I found out was having sex. And then I found out that you can also be in love, which is like to be consumed by romantic feelings for someone. And then at the same time, you can love your mother, which is not the same as Uh, loving your friends and that's different from the way that you love your dog and that's different from the way that you love your PlayStation and all of those is different from the way that you love pizza, right? It's confusing and if you love your mum the same as you love pizza, she's going to be disappointed or you've got a bad relationship with pizza. (laughs) I actually think that in our society maybe partly because of the way the English language works, but also because of our history and our culture, we're just confused about what love really is. That's why we sing songs like, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. You know? Or like, 
I want to know what love is. We don't know, right? Or the Beatles saying, you know, all you need is love. But what even is love? 2,000 years ago, John wrote a letter that said, God is love. And then we had the sexual revolution and we changed the meaning of love, the definition of love. We mixed it up with sex. And then we brought marriage into the mix and we created a hashtag, love is love, which is a little bit like saying pizza is pizza. It's like, that is true, but I don't know anything more about pizza. You haven't actually told me anything. You've just said it is, is. But God is love is what John said, but we sort of shifted it and now we're confused. What is love? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? Is it an attitude? Is it a commitment? Can you get love? Can you lose love? Do we have a finite amount of love? When my second child comes along, do I have to love my first child half as much as what I do at the moment, just so that I've got enough to spread around? Good luck to Desmond's parents who have 29 children, right? (laughs) When should you say I love you? When shouldn't you say I love you? Definitely not to an Iranian refugee selling their car that you've met for the first time. That's my tip. First tip this morning, if you're taking notes, write that down. Is what you've got true love? And what if there is more than what you have? What if you had once had love and it fades away? What if you have love, but it will fade? That's what we're going to discover this morning, uh, what true love really is and how you can receive true love, how it's more than a feeling. It's not a religious obligation. It's something that you can fill your life with. It is unconventional, unconditional, and unlimited. Turn to the person next to you and say, love is not a feeling. Love is a lifestyle. Love is a way of walking in step with the Spirit, and when we're guided by the Spirit, the Spirit produces love in us. So this morning, I want you to try and put aside your understanding of love, which is colored by a lot of what our culture says and all the songs you've heard, all of which tends to be about romantic love. And I want you to try and catch a glimpse of a greater love that God has for us this morning. You see, when the biblical authors write about love, and love is throughout the whole New Testament, it's through the whole Bible, but particularly the New Testament, as we look at the writings in the New Testament, they're writing in Greek, and and there are actually seven Greek words for love. And so it's not as confusing as love in English, where you can love pizza and love your mum. There's different words, and so we know what it is that they're talking about. Let's look at the list of uh, words that mean a certain kind of love in, in Greek. So you have eros, which is uh, love of the body. This is like um, sexual attraction, physical desire towards others, and sort of implies a lack of control. Then we have philia, which is affectionate love, like brotherly love. You have storge, like the love of a child. You have agape, a selfless love. Ludos, which is a playful love, pragma, a long-lasting Love, this is the kind of thing you might think of when you consider making a commitment in marriage for the long term, where you decide every day, I'll stick with it. Uh, Philousia, I'm saying all these wrong, but you don't know, so whatever. (laughs) Uh, And that's love of the self. You know, it's classic these days. It's like you just got to love yourself so that you can love others. What's interesting is when you read the New Testament in English, the word love is used a lot, but when you look at which of these Greek words they're using, then you start to figure out which kind of love they're talking about. 
So where in our culture we're talking about eros a lot, we sing songs about this romantic sexual love, it's not used at all in the New Testament. The word eros does not exist in the New Testament. Ludus, the playful love, is not used. Pragma, the long-lasting love, is not used. Palausha is not mentioned. Storge, the love of a child, is hardly mentioned and, and only with other words. When they're talking about the love, they're talking a lot about philia, the brotherly love, and agape, which is a self-giving, uh, unconditional love, like a divine love. So let's look in John chapter 15, verse 12. It says, this is my commandment. It's Jesus speaking. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So there's a few things. If we're going to understand Christian love, there's a few things that we need to understand about it. The first thing is that, is that love is not a feeling. Why is love not a feeling? You don't command somebody to have a feeling, right? And he says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. And so although you can feel love and you can feel its effects, love requires expression. The same as faith is dead without works, love is dead without expression. If you just feel love, then, then you've only got a part of it. And the problem with love as a feeling is, if you think that love is like a feeling, you might spend your whole life just waiting for this feeling to appear. It's outside of your control. And so you might want more love in your life, but you just sit around waiting and it never comes. Or you might have the feeling of love, but you never actually act on it, in which case it's not demonstrated to others and it hasn't become effective. So love is not a feeling. The second thing we need to understand is love is a way of walking in step with the Spirit. So love is like an action, a choice to seek the well-being of others and over yourself. So the idea that like I've just got to love myself first and then I might have some things to love others, like a bit of leftover, I think is a, a very new idea and not necessarily a biblical idea. I mean, Jesus didn't say, well, I might go to the cross, but I've got to love myself. I've really got to look after myself first so that I've got stuff left over to give other people. <clears throat> the kind of love <clears throat> that Jesus had was a self-giving, self-emptying, self-sacrificing love. <clears throat> so we're seeking the well-being of people who can't necessarily repay us. And we're even going so far as to love our enemies. Ooh. His command to us, love God with everything you've got, love your neighbor as if they're yourself. <clears throat> what is love? Turn to the person next to you and say, what is love? Mm. Thank you for helping me preach. <clears throat> well, if you've been to a wedding, you know, love is patient, it is kind, it is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, it does not demand its own way, it's not irritable, it keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Keep in mind that the kind of love we talk about at weddings is often romantic, sexual, partner love. That's not the love 
that this scripture is talking about. That word, that Greek word, doesn't even appear in the New Testament. And so while, while the godly love can appear in a marriage relationship, it's not exclusive to a marriage relationship. It's, it's a love that we're called to have for God and for all people. And that's the kind of love that we're called <clears throat> to express in our life. The third thing we have to understand is that love comes from God. Help me preach. Turn to the person next to you. Love comes from God. Why does it come from God? Because God is love. So he gave us his example when Jesus was on earth in John 15. It says, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. So Jesus says, I've given you an example of how we ought to love one another. Now you go and do just as I did for you. He didn't just talk about love. He modeled love. He helped. He served people around him in practical ways. He moved towards the forgotten people who were lowly in their society. And he allowed his enemies to kill him instead of moving against his enemies. He loved us and he gave himself for us. And then in 1 John, John says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So there's our new old hashtag. God is love. If you can get close to God, you are getting close to love. And so if you can listen to the voice of God, you're listening to the voice of love. If you're allowing the Spirit of God to guide you, you are allowing love to guide you. The Christian faith, at the center of it, is a belief that God is love, and therefore we receive the love of God, and then we can give it out to others. If you go home today and you think to yourself, I've heard a lot about these different Advent things and love, and so I'm just going to try really hard to be more loving and I have to try and be better for, for, for people around me. I think you've missed the point. Because not only are you probably going to fail because you don't have the power in yourself to just be better, we've forgotten the idea that if God is love, then, God then love comes from God, not from inside ourselves. But... If you go home and you look at your life, you look at your feelings, you look at your actions, your behaviors, and you realize my life is not filled with love and I want it to be filled with love, you can do something way better than just saying, I've got to try and be better. What you can do is recognize I am out of step with the Spirit. And if you're out of step with Spirit, then the antidote is to get back in step with the Spirit. It's not to try and pretend to be more loving or muster feelings of love for people that you actually hate. It's about saying, God, I have gotten out of step with you and I want more of your love to be present in my life. And so love is a lifestyle. It's a way of walking. If you imagine that you are driving on a road trip to Melbourne, anyone done the road trip to Melbourne? and you're getting halfway there and your petrol light comes on, <clears throat> it would be foolish for you to see the petrol light and say, ah, oh, 
What a nuisance. Well, when the car runs out of petrol, I'm just going to have to get out of the car and push the car the rest of the way to Melbourne. But that's the equivalent of looking at your life and realizing it's not filled with the kind of love that God wants me to be filled with. Therefore, I should try and muster my feelings or pretend to be more loving. That's like saying I'm going to get out of the car and push it. No, what do you do when you see the petrol light come on? You look for a petrol station, you go fill up the fuel, right? So in that way, your feelings and your actions act like an indicator of how in step with the spirit you are and how much God's love pervades your life. And if you find that your life is not filled with love, then you just need to go to the petrol station and refuel. God is love. And so if you find that your life is empty of love, then you need to fill up with love. Go back to the Spirit and allow Him to refill you. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. So when we choose the Spirit, we feed the Spirit. When we listen to God in our day-to-day, He produces the fruits of the Spirit in our life. I learned a song when I was a teenager, which meant that I can now recite the fruits of the Spirit. He goes, I'm doing a lot of singing this morning. It's really not my strong suit. But the song, I taught it to my two-year-old son. It goes, the Spirit produces love. The Spirit produces joy and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Uh, yeah, it's funny. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. I don't think he knows anything about what the fruits of the Spirit are, but he just wants me to yell self-control. <laughs> But my revelation early on was, who produces the fruit? The Spirit produces love. It's not us that produce love. Our job in this equation is to tend to the garden, the tree of the Spirit that lives within us. Allow the Spirit to guide your life and He will produce the love in your life. Therefore, If you're out of step with the Spirit, you'll find that your life is empty of love. And so you can refill by going back to the Lord. And so as a practical way of giving you a tool, this week as you go out and figure, you know, I'm going to try and get more in step with the Spirit. I want to just show you that there's actually a battle on the inside of each of you between your sinful nature and your spirit nature. I see this in my two-year-old because his most common, most popular phrase at the moment is, no, I want, no, I just, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, I. See, like, he is wonderful, fun, he's funny, he's playful, he's obedient, and he's curious, and he's rebellious, and he's destructive, and he's violent all at the same time. We got him this magnet toy where he builds the magnets and it's got all these different things that he can build on a little instruction sheet. And I came over to him and he'd ripped the thing in half. I said, James, you love this toy. Why did you rip that in half? He looks at me all sad. He says, I don't know. And the thing is, he doesn't know. Because there's two things on the inside of him that are at war with one another. I tried to explain to him, listen, there's two voices that are speaking to you. One that says, listen to mummy and daddy. The other one that says, rip that instruction book. Don't listen to the one that says, rip the instruction book. 
It does not have your best interests at heart. It wants the worst for you. I feel like I'm God the Father talking to Cain in the beginning. In Genesis, Cain gets all jealous and angry. And what does God say in Genesis 4? He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. It's eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So there are two things at war inside of each of one, each one of us. And, you know, as a parent, we kind of have the opportunity to try and raise him in such a way that we feed and encourage the side of him that walks with the Spirit, that produces the fruit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We want to teach him not to trust his sinful nature. Don't listen to that voice. We have to teach him how to do that. But we need to teach ourselves. It's an ongoing battle on the inside of us. And so to walk in step with the Spirit means that at every opportunity in your life, there are two voices that are speaking to you, and we need to practice listening to the Spirit. That's how we walk in step with the Spirit and build it up. There's like a, uh, an, like a Native American parable, if you like, that talks about a chief sitting down with his grandson, and he talks about these two wolves that are fighting on the inside of him. And he said, one of them is basically love, joy, peace, patience, all those things. And the other one is anger and lust and envy. And they're fighting. And the grandson looks up to the chief and he says, well, which wolf wins? And the chief says to his grandson, the wolf that you feed. And so every time you make a decision, you are choosing which voice, the spirit or your sinful nature, that you are feeding. And so you can rewire your behavior by actively choosing to stop, step back, say, Spirit of God, you're with me now. I know that you want to lead me into love and every kind of good thing. So what, what, do, you, what do you have for me? What do you want for me? How can I follow you in this situation? None of us get it perfect. I think if Kirsty and I argue, the best thing she could do is say, go for a walk and pray. Because it would cause me to go back to, you know, you might find just, I find myself in situations looking at my life thinking, man, I don't think my behavior today is particularly filled with love. I'm a bit irritable. So it's not like I just need to try and just stop being irritable. The solution is to go back to the source of love and refill your life with love. Go and pray. So I'm going to finish with this. It's Galatians 5. We're just going to read 16 to 26. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are, in lo- that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... Thank you. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. The Spirit produces love. If you want more love in your life, get in step with the Spirit. All throughout your life, you have the opportunity to listen, tune your ear to the Spirit of the Lord and ask Him, what is He saying? Follow Him and you will find that your love, that your life is filled with love. Would you stand with me? Why don't you close your eyes right now? We're going to spend a moment to acknowledge Him so that He can guide us in His ways. You can ask for Him to speak to you as we walk into this busy Christmas season so that we get used to turning our ear to heaven and walking in step with the Spirit, that our lives might be filled with love. But before we do that, before we just take that moment, I want to ask if there's anybody here who has never experienced the love of God. Maybe you want to experience it this morning. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't asked Him to come into your heart, be your Lord, be your Savior, that's where this love, this life comes from. And so in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and we can pray a prayer together to invite Jesus into your life. And I know that He will fill your life with love because He loves you. He loves you so much that He gave Himself for you so that you could be set free from everything you've done wrong in the past and come into relationship with God the Father. You know, we get glimpses of this heavenly love. First you love your parents, then you might love your friends, then you love maybe a partner, and then maybe you have children. You learn a whole new kind of love. But they're all glimpses of a greater heavenly love that our heavenly Father has for us. He can fill our life with. And so if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life before, I want to pray that prayer with you here this morning. Maybe you've done it in the past, but you want to return to Him this morning feel like you're far away. So I'm going to ask, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to put up your hands so we know who we're praying with. And we're all going to pray a prayer together to invite Jesus into our lives. So if that's you here this morning, would you just right now just lift your hand up so I can see it and we're going to pray together. If you want to ask Jesus into your life for the first time or maybe you want to come back to Him this morning, just lift your hand so I can see it and we're going to pray together. Fantastic. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
We thank You that You first loved us. Thank You, Jesus, for what You did on the cross. We thank You that Your love is coming to us right now. From this day forward, we're going to turn our ear to heaven, listen to the Spirit, and walk in Your way. Thank You, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Why don't you just keep your eyes closed. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands to heaven. We're just going to take one minute and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us, to be with us, so that we can go from this place with a taste of the love that He has for us. Thank you, Jesus. Holy God, we thank you that you love us so much that as we can draw near to you, you draw near to us. As we come close to you, God, we're coming close to love. That love fills every part of us and can flow through us to others. We pray, Lord, that as we go out this week, that you would be with us and you would help us, you'd speak to us, you'd guide us. Who here is making a decision right now to, this week, follow the Spirit in a new way? While everyone's eyes are closed, just lift your hand, make a declaration to God to say, I want more love in my life and I want the Spirit to lead me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, for every hand lifted, I pray that you would speak to them in a new way, that you would guide them in a new way. Lord, we pray for opportunities to step out in faith. Lord, as you speak to us, as you guide us, we pray that we would come closer and closer to your life-giving love. And we thank You, Lord, it would fill us in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen.